morning, and welcome to today's podcast. You're listening to Spiritual Awareness with Pastor Davenport. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to get your Bibles out and get them in your hand and follow along in the Word today, just as you were sitting in your church or your auditorium. I'll give you the title of the message in just a few moments. You know, the Beatitudes can be likened to a final exam or or, or board certification because it causes us to look at the progress that we are making as saints of God. It causes us to look within our own heart as the Word and the the Holy Spirit probes and pulls at us toward a greater spiritual reformation of our heart. There is a necessary assessment as to whether we are poor in spirit, mourning over the condition of of a sinful life, humble before God and before men, and hungry and thirsting for spiritual things. You know, Jesus is before us, behind us, and always beside us. We are surrounded constantly by God. Today's message comes from Matthew 5 and 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you humble at thy greatness. And we thank you on on this Veterans Day, Lord God, for all those who have served our country. We thank you, Lord God, for, for this time that we can come before you. And we ask, Lord God, that you would bring peace and harmony and unity to our country that has been so divided during this, this, this political warfare, if you will, in our country. May we now find peace and tranquility. May we return to our churches, our places of worship, of all denominations, of all beliefs, Lord, around the world. And may we return to you, God, with a new hunger for your word. May we take our eyes off of the political and put them back on the spiritual. May we now see the supernatural power of an awesome God who will reunite people around the world for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we get back to where we were of loving you, Lord God. Putting you first in our lives. And then learn to love one another again. Reaching out to one another. Feeding the hungry. For truly, Jesus said, I saw a flock without a shepherd. May we here at Spiritual Awareness 
become that shepherd that Christ said we should be, a shepherd of prayer. That's what our prayer warriors, our prayer partners on this broadcast are. We are shepherds of prayer. As we pray every day at 11 o'clock for the salvation of the lost of this world. We repent of sin. We humble ourselves as your people who are called by your name and we come before you, Lord God, on bended knee, praying for the salvation of this world and asking you to intercede and forgive the sins of this world and to heal our lands. We ask these things today, O oh Lord God. We ask these things as humble sinners before Thee, asking that we take a moment to just repent and to ask You to heal us, O oh Lord God. We are but humble men and women. Touch our children, Lord God, and touch us once again, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to welcome you to Spiritual Awareness this morning. Well, praise God. I want to welcome you once again to our reading today. The reading of the Sermon on the Mount will do all to us. We should desire to be like the noble Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, who examined the scriptures so that it would promote spiritual maturity in their own lives. The Beatitudes put an emphasis on what a man or a woman is to be, not what he or she is to do. We must come to an understanding that we do that we do because of who we are. You can only do for us so long because ultimately what we are will come out. On Sunday last, I preached a sermon and part of that sermon was to start where you are and do what you can do and what you can do depend on God to do for you. Praise God. But one of the greatest blessings of this mat matter of, of the Sermon on the Mount is that we can live ordinary lives and still give evidence to what has taken place within our own lives spiritually. Praise God. And as we progress on to the next beatitude of being merciful, it is important to look back at the previous four. What we find is, is, is the First four all deal with internal matters of the heart of the believer. At the core of the new birth experience is the transformation that takes place in one's mind and one's soul. Now the first four beatitudes all deal with the principles of the heart and how that when the Spirit moves to convict us over our position, 
That would be the poor in the spirit. That was in verse 3. And the condition of the soul without God, which was mourning over the sin, verse 4. And the reaction, the humility before God, that was in verse 5. And the motivation for spirit change, which was hungering and thirsting after righteousness, in verse 6. If you carefully look at this passage of what constitutes blessing, there will be a very, very clear connection there. Now, there was the poverty of the Spirit, was verse 3. That leads to showing mercy to others in verse 7, where we are, uh, you know, and mourning over sin in verse 4 leads to the purity of heart in verse 8. And then there's the meekness uh, or humility in verse 5 leads to seeking for peace in verse 9. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is in verse 6, leads to the willingness to pay the price of persecution in verse 10. So these matters play into the growing maturity of a saint of God. Ephesians 4.13, Colossians 1.28. It is, it is also worthy to note that the beatitude of mercy and the next three are closely related to the sixth murder, seventh adultery, and ninth bearing false witness in the commandments. So today, blessed are the merciful and the requirements of mercy. There are some requirements if we are to be entirely merciful in our relations with God and with our relations of other others. Mercy. Say mercy. Mercy. There you go. Say it again. Mercy is uniquely intertwined with kindness and forgiveness. Whew, glory to God. So mercy is uniquely entwined with kindness and forgiveness. Words we really need to learn in this New, new time that we're in. When, when mercy engages in action, it will extend forgiveness to the guilty and it will show compassion. There's a word. Compassion. Say compassion. Compassion for the suffering and the needy. The Lord was presenting this attitude, or excuse me, attribute, as one that should be present in the heart of all of his disciples and all disciples today especially in the church today. We need that, that attribute of compassion. To be one who is merciful means that there are not special situations or conditions by which mercy may be extended, but it must be measured where it should be in Galatians 6 and 1. The idea of mercy was a common theme in, in Matthew's gospel. If we look at Matthew 6, uh, 12 and 15. I'm going to give you a minute to turn there. Matthew 6, 12 through 15. Go ahead and turn your Bible there if you would, please. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men 
their trespasses. Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And I always believe that when we use the verse men, it means mankind. Now, Matthew 9 and 12 through 13, I'll give you that moment to go turn there. In Matthew 9, verse 12 and 13, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that act sick, but go ye and learn what that meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Sometimes, church, we forget uh, we forget that Jesus came not for the righteous, uh, but for the sinners to call them to repentance. Sometimes we forget that Jesus didn't come for the well. He came for the sick. Amen? If, you, if, you, if you're a physician, you don't come for those that are well. You come to heal those that are sick. Matthew 15, verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Matthew 17, verse 15, Lord, have mercy upon my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into fire and often into the water. And in Matthew 18, verse 33 and 34, Shouldest thou, shouldest thou uh, not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity upon thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. You see, even from these references, it is easy for us to see that mercy turns outward instead of inward. I'm going to say it again. Even from these references, it is easy for us to see that mercy, say mercy, mercy turns outward instead of inward. Mercy will motivate someone to work towards solutions of relief and comfort to those who are in need and for those who need it. Mercy works in a manner of active kindness to the destitute and to those who are in trouble. Now, this activity leads to an active blessing. Hallelujah. Per the Lord, which is suited in happiness for a man who practices it or a woman who practices it. One of the most elusive qualities of life to grasp on is to happiness. Far too often we can fall into that trap of thinking that happiness is a destination we're trying to reach. And, and once we get to that accomplishment, that job or that promotion, that home or, or that possession that we can, uh, can, can be happy. That's not true. Materialistic things do not make us happy. True inner peace, true inner peace and tranquility and happiness can only come to pass through spiritual means. Glory to God. True, true inner peace and happiness can only come to pass through spiritual means. Perfect happiness will not be a position in life unless we have a right attitude towards others. The Lord was expressing this, this kingdom principle in such a manner that believers should be aware that mercy towards the helpless, the undeserving, 
And those who have wronged and offended us brings tremendous freedom to our own walk with the Lord God. We also must be clear of the fact that, that we can extend mercy without endorsing the sin that the person committed. Amen? James, the half-brother of Jesus, recounted the way the Lord spent himself for us on Calvary by paying our redemption with his sacrifice on the cross. He was moved by a feeling of pity that linked itself with action. What took place at Calvary accomplished the, a world-changing and history-making event by, by preserving salvation for all mankind who respond to the convicting call of the Spirit. James also helps us to, to understand that any true act of mercy will also have a degree of pity in it. A degree of pity in it. In James chapter 5, verse 11, I'll give you a moment. James chapter 5, verse 11, if you turn your Bible to that. James chapter 5, verse 11. In the King James Version, Behold, we count them happy which endure. James chapter 5, verse 11. People say, Pastor, you go too fast, so I'm slowing down. James chapter 5, verse 11, King James Version. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Praise God. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. This pity of the Lord is a sacred pity. It was poured out for the affliction and the poor, but it was also given just as much to the poured or the proud Pharisee and the cold-hearted Sadducees. Even Jerusalem, who was so self-satisfied, it could not be pulled under the protecting wings of the Lord on that fateful day, Matthew 23 and 37, Luke 13 and 34. What we learn by the actions of Jesus is that indignation for sin must be balanced with pity. By the extension of pity to all of Jerusalem, we learn that a man or a woman who lives in wealth and luxury needs the same amount of pity that the sick and the helpless do. Those that are homeless. That is a strange lesson for most of us to try to understand. Holy mercy can only come from the heart of a, 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 of a regenerated. Even though there, there are many humanitarians and relief organizations in this world today, the final analyst of the condition of the unconverted is that given the right amount of pressure and the circumstances, all will fail to provide mercy. Mercy can be expressed in our lives through the intercessory prayer for others. Far too often, believers discount the impact and the efforts of their prayers. Prayer, listen, prayer has a farther reaching outcome than what we normally are given to believing. Mercy can also be expressed by the acts of kindness of others that even though, even though they may seem so insignificant, often play great roles towards encouraging those who are in need. Gentle words, 
of kindness can go a long way to help someone who is under the pressure of, of family needs, job changes, and other various trials. If we have difficulty finding a reason to express mercy, then consider where you might be without the mercy of Almighty God. Think about that. Where would you be without the mercy of the Heavenly Father? There was an old Pentecostal hymn that was entitled Common to Me, and it gives a very apt description of the work of mercy the Lord extended to all that were saved. It goes, Hear the blessed Savior called the oppressed. O ye heavy laven, come to me and rest. Come no longer tarry, I your load will bear. Bring me every burden, bring me every care. And the chorus goes, Come unto me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, hear me and be blessed. I am meek and lowly, come and trust my might. Come, my yoke is easy and my burdens light. Are you disappointed, wandering here and there, dragging chains and doubt, loaded down with care? Do unholy feelings struggle in your breast? Bring your case to Jesus, he will give you rest. Stumbling on the mountains dark in sin and shame, stumbling toward the pit of hell's consuming flame, by the power of sin, deluded and oppressed, hear the tender shepherd come to me and rest. Have you by temptation oft conquered been? Has sense of weakness brought distress within? Christ will sanctify you if you'll claim his best. In the Holy Spirit, he will give you rest. You see, when mercy is expressed to a child of God, it should cause an awesome awesomeness of, of the sin and the weakness the Lord has given us power over. Mercy extended will help us to see our own need for God and the, and the necessity of redemption and salvation. Mercy affords the ability to, of the church to have all hope directed toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Although we must be careful to, to, so that we don't fall into the trap of thinking that the, ex, the extension of mercy is just being good-natured and easygoing, our age here in 2020 has great discard for discipline and law of any kind. We see it in the rioting in the streets, and we see it in, the, in everything that's going on in today's world. Extended mercy does not mean that you are smiling at, uh, at or endorsing the sin that offends God. To see that a certain amount of firmness is still going to be involved, you should observe the ministry and the words of the Lord and Paul. Mercy is not ignoring the sin, but it is allowing people to get up off the mat after they have been put down. We're in a strange world. But we're not part of this world, church. We belong to God. We belong to King Jesus. We're not part of this world. Mercy is also to be expressed in our praying. The, the very act of prayer will always be connected to the mercies of God. Mercy extended from God will require an extension of mercy on my part to others. When we pray, and we should, it should be explicitly clear that our own needs are supplied by the mercy of Almighty God. 
But we have a responsibility to respond in kind towards others who have a need of our own mercy. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It must start with us. In last Sunday's message on this broadcast, I said, start with what you have. And in your heart, you should have forgiveness for others as our own Heavenly Father forgives us. Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and for me. He died on the cross and one of those drops of blood that fell to the ground was for you. And if that's the case, then by golly, don't you believe in your heart of hearts that if he forgave you, then we should forgive others? Matthew 6, 14 and 15, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. However, however, it also must be noted that the passage in Matthew 6, 12, and 15 in no way can be brought to infer that our, our salvation is solely placed on what, whether we respond in mercy to others. The whole of the scripture must be taken into consideration with the passage and we must look at all the other requirements of salvation the new birth glory to god the new birth is clearly defined by jesus in the book of john chapter 3 3 and 5 and in peter in acts and acts 2 38 the message of salvation hallelujah can also be supported heavily in other examples in acts chapter 8 10 and 19 and throughout the instructions that are given in the epistles and general epistles, there are two tests in this matter of dealing with the extension of mercy. If we do not have an example of mercy in us towards those in physical, material, or spiritual distress, we cannot consider that we are true believers. We do not become believers by extending mercy, but if we cannot extend mercy, we aren't true believers. First John chapter 3, verse 17. If we do not extend forgiveness to those who have offended, mistreated, or abused us, we cannot fall into the category of a true believer. I want you to note Paul at the end of Romans chapter 1, that passage that describes unbelievers. Chapter 1, verse 31. We cannot afford to have a, a death grip on our grudges. I'm going to say it again. We cannot afford to have a death grip on our grudges of the past. We are required to forgive no matter how painful that may be. We cannot afford to withhold forgiveness and mercy to those who are sincerely requesting it. If no matter how hurtful that it may have been. Don't nourish hatred or cherish bitterness or animosity. Let it go. Do not settle it in and live a life that never can forget the malice that is lodged against you. However, we must acknowledge that our own acts of mercy and forgiveness are still marred by imperfection. 
And there will be times, listen to me, there will be times that the pain of a situation will arise and, and cause us grief and, and, and anger again. Let it go. That's why the past is called the past, for goodness sake. These will be the times that you must submit to the times of extended prayer and allowing the washings of the Spirit to move you forward. One of the most striking examples in the New Testament is the parable of the unjust servant in Matthew 18, 23, and 35. Here was a man who was forgiven of an astronomical amount, but could not forgive another man of a much smaller debt. The crux of the matter is that the man who had been forgiven by the king ended up being given up given to the jailers until he could repay the debt. Mercy extended to us requires that we extend mercy to others. When Paul wrote the pastoral epistles to Timothy and Titus, there is a bit of change in the salutation from all the other epistles that he wrote. All the others simply have grace and peace in the heading, but the pastoral letters add mercy to the grace and peace. Grace is associated with men and their sins because it takes a, a view of sin. Mercy is associated with men and their misery, and it takes a view that can see the miserable consequences that the sin has caused. The man in Matthew 18 had obviously forgotten about his own misery when he was in fear of his life because of the huge debt that he that had he had occurred. The parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10 proves to us the value of mixing mercy and grace. Mercy causes him to get down in the ditch with a man who had been injured by robbers. He was willing to have more than just pity as the priest and the Levite had when they wandered by this man. Mercy required for him to make some expenditures. If we are truly, truly going to help, there will be a cost that will be involved. How do we get it done? This subject has been weighing, weightly mattered. You may be wondering how to get this kind of thing revolved in your life. You may have a family situation that's been festering for years and years. There are times where I like to have practical lists that point us in the right direction. This matter of living out the walk of mercy can be very challenging. And there is no way that we can come to, to the hearts of the deepest, deepest part of our lives and think that three little points will make a difference. Therefore, I want to make sure that you are aware that there are many other things that could be added to these points. Sometimes the extension of mercy especially those who continue to hurt you and can take long, long periods of time to heal. However, here are the three simple nudges that can push us towards doing the right thing. Confession. This involves a lot of prayer. You have to go to the Lord in prayer, but you need His assistance to be merciful. You have to confess to him that you need more compassion and forgiveness to be shown towards this person. 
You have to tell the Lord that you are aware that that is his will for you to do this thing and that you want to do it. You need to do it. And it's really a difficult thing to do. And scripture. You read the passages that deal with mercy, compassion, and forgiveness. But you must remember it will take more than just reading the passages. It will actually take a commitment for them to become deeply woven into your being. Hosea 6, 6, Matthew 6, 14, 15, 9, 1, 13, 18, 21 through 35, 23 and 23, Micah 6, 8, Amos 5, 21 and 24, Luke 10, 30 through 37. Sow a seed. Sow a seed showing God that you mean what you say in action. Put your faith into action. Put your faith into action and do what you know the Spirit would have you to do. I preached on that last Sunday. Start where you are. Do what you can do. And what you can do, let God do. If you have ever read the book, The Hiding Place of Corey Tin Boom, you will remember the, the section in that story where when Corey met a guard from the Raven... Ravensbrück concentration camp. Her sister had died there, and Corey had suffered horrible, horrible punishment, she wrote. It was at a church service in Munich, she said, that I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the process center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. Had suddenly it was there. It was all there. The room full of mocking men, the, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as church was emptying, beaming and, and, and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that you, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people of Blomendel, the need to forgive kept my hand at my side. Even as angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled. I raised my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathe the silent prayer, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, and most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, and currently seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. We owe it to God. We owe it to God to extend mercy because he has extended it to you and I. That last story was a story written by Corey Tin Boom. It was a story of her and her sister. Her sister was uh, raped and killed in Ravensbruck, uh, R-A-V-E-N-S-B-R-U-C-K concentration camp in Germany uh, during the uh, war. And uh, it's a story that she tells. 
it's a good book if you ever get a chance to pick it up and read it. Uh, I don't know if you can Google it and find it online. It's a wonderful story of forgiveness and mercy. Uh, so if you get a chance to read it, please do. With that, um, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 13, that if, if thou shalt confess thy mouth and the Lord Jesus Christ shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scriptures say, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the, and the Greek. And for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in Ephesians 2, 8-10, through 10, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not for works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And then in Revelations 3.20, I read, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to them and will sup with them and he with or she with me. I invite you to help support our ministry here at Spiritual Awareness. We uh, are here to save the lost, to bring the word of God to them so that Jesus Christ may lay hands upon them and bring them to the Father. We pray every day at 11 o'clock here at this ministry and around the world. We have many, many churches that have joined with us at the 11 o'clock hour, no matter where you are around the world. At 11 o'clock, if you would just say a prayer for the salvation of the lost, I think together we can bring as many that we can to the Lord. And then we ask that if they're anywhere close to a Bible-believing church, they go in and they ask that church to baptize him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. We are struggling here at this broadcast to try to make ends meet. We have to pay our producer and, and the cost of bringing this broadcast to you. So we ask that no matter what it is, uh, $5, $2, $10, whatever, uh, we have a call to action to try to get folks to support our broadcast. So if you can uh, afford to to send in or to put it on uh, PayPal or just go and donate, you can go to our, our website, spiritualawareness.net. I know times are tough. Uh, if, whatever God, the love offering God puts on your heart, you could go to spiritualawareness.net. There's a place to donate now. Uh, you don't have to join PayPal. You just go into the PayPal uh, deal and just put donate now. And you can put it on your debit card. You can put it on your pay on your credit card. Or at the bottom of that, there's our address, PO Box 11042, I believe. <laughs> It'll tell you in Fort Mojave, Arizona, which is where our broadcast studio is. Uh, I believe it's 86427. With that, may I say, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you until he brings us back once again. God bless you. We love all of you. Keep praying. We need as many that can come to the Lord as possible. God bless you. We love you. <music>